You guys ready for, for the message? Made for love. I want you to think about this. Made for love. And the significance of this, of this title, you were made for love. What do you mean you were made for love? What do you mean, pastor, I was made for love? Well, in the book of Genesis, the Bible starts off right away by saying this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his, come on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now notice, the Bible says male and female. So when God said, let us create man, he wasn't saying, let us create males. He was saying, let us create mankind. Men and women, let us create them in our image. But who is he talking to? When he says us, is he talking to us? We're not around. It's not us. When he says us, he's talking in the context of the triune communal God. What do I mean by that? There is perfect community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. You can't separate them, but they are distinct. Let me put it to you this way. I kind of gave a, a rough kind of root of uh, just, just very, very limited analogy in that we are three in one on Wednesday. I said, we are three in one. We are, we are body, what? Mind or emotion, and we are spirit. You can't separate us, but we're, they're distinct. See, when you start separating the body from the spirit, that's called death. When your body is separated from your spirit, you die. And so, there is, there is that idea that we represent God maybe and that we're three in one, but I also believe we represent God in our capacity, our propensity, our ability, our opportunity to experience love. Listen to what the Bible says about love and how it relates to God. Read with me. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so God is perfect love because there is a lover and there is a lovey. God, God the Father is the lover. God the Son is the lovey. God the Son is the lover. The Holy Spirit is the lovey. They all love one another. Even as we represent his likeness, we have the opportunity to enter into this amazing thing called the love of God. And we have the ability to do that. I'm going to ask my team in the back, can you put the, the time for me? Because I really need to follow the time. We have 18 people getting baptized in third service. Come on now. 18 people getting baptized. So watch this. We have the opportunity for love. But what does that mean? The opportunity for love means it's a choice. Love is a choice. And every time you experience a choice, you experience an opportunity to be rejected. You experience risk. Amen? Now, I've said that. that, that the, I think one of the purest examples of love is, is when a man gets on his knee and he says, Will you love me? Will you marry me? And his 
future wife-to-be has the opportunity and the choice to say yes or no. And so this risk can bring hurt. And that hurt can lead to brokenness. And so how many of us have ever experienced hurt in this idea of love? How many of us have ever been mistreated when we, were, when we loved with all our heart and we put ourselves out there and we took the risk only to be, to, to be hurt and, and experience brokenness? And so from there, we start to cover ourselves. We start to hold back. We start to keep people at arm's length. We start to guard ourselves from the sore spot and the hurt spots and the, and the scars begin to build up and we begin to love in a different way. Never again will I do it like I did. Never again will I put myself, never again, I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to consider me. I'm going to pick up the, the clues. I'm going to watch for this so that it doesn't happen again. Now think about this. When this is the case, when this is the case, when this is the case, brokenness leads to more brokenness. What do I mean by that? So you have this broken person. It might be a small brokenness, but they love out of this insecurity, out of this fear. They love out of this holding back and selfishness because they're self-preserving. Come on now. And when you self-preserve, you don't love the way love was intended to be experienced. See, love is sacrificial. Love is putting the other person first. But I've been hurt when I did that, so now I'm going to hold back. So this love produces more brokenness. Why? Because that selfishness will eventually hurt the other person, and now they're holding back. Now they go out and infect two more which go out and infect two more. And this brokenness has begun to what? To unfold and multiply and grow exponentially and more hurt leads to more hurt to more hurt to more hurt to more hurt. And the more relationships we have lead to more and more and more hurt. So finally we need a savior. Come on. And Jesus steps into that context, into that environment and says, this is never what I had in mind. Let me show you how to truly love. I'm going to come down. I'm going to take the hurt. I'm going to get spat upon. I'm going to get mistreated. I'm going to get abused. I'm going to get all that you have. And I'm going to say, forgive them. Come on now. Forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. And I still love them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for this is love that one man should lay down his life for another that's the love of the father and so the only way we can truly love you know speaking about brokenness let's take a time out for a second now for some of you you're you're, you're new to christianity and maybe you didn't grow up in a in a traditional sense and, and this song you may not know but i'm going to play a song for you that many of you will probably recognize. But I want you to take some time and listen to the lyrics.
You know, I was some 13 years old, and they were playing that song in our church the day we told the church goodbye, and that would be our last Sunday because my dad was moving us and our family to pastor another church in Houston, Texas. It wasn't the first one we'd left, but it was the hardest one. And I can remember the song playing and him singing, and friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And I can remember my heart breaking and tears coming down my face and all my brothers, my brothers and, and my sister were crying and, and we were reacting to, to really having to leave people we loved. And, and I remember looking across and seeing others crying as well. And, and in that moment, something began to change in me. Because I experienced, Lord, it feels awesome to be in love, but it also feels really, really bad when you have to experience that loss. And I can remember going from different churches to different churches, different churches, and 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 because my dad back then, that's what you did. You know, pastors moved around a lot, and 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 I can remember thinking, man, this is horrible. I don't ever, I don't want to allow myself to feel this way. And so you begin to step back, and you begin to step back, and you begin to guard yourself, and you begin to to make sure you don't get hit in that same spot ever again. Come on, am I the only one? Now I'm going to share some deep personal things about my experience with relationship and loss and that kind of thing, but I want you to know that that's the reason we need a savior. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is what it means. When you put yourself out there to have friends, you're going to get friends. And those relationships bring about hurt because people are imperfect and messy. And when you have those hurts, you need to turn to the friend that is closer than a brother. It means Jesus Christ because Jesus will help you to get over that hurt, keep you in that spot of being able to love the way it was in, you were intended to love. Instead, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to build up resentment, you're going to build up hurt, you're going to keep stepping back and you're going to keep making adjustments only to the detriment of your future relationships. Because the truth is this, when we love in our own strength, we end up loving less and less and less, and it starts to be something other than love. It starts to be something other than love. Now, I need you to understand this. When you are loving based on your past hurts, you are filtering through those past hurts, and every other relationship will be tainted with the past. You say, oh, pastor, now I understand why I need Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. You need Jesus more than just to save your soul. You need Jesus to save your current situation. Am I the only one? See, and today we're going to talk about showing ourselves friendly, putting ourselves out there, because how many of us know we need one another? We need one another. Some of us have gotten hurt, and so we've tried different things. Some of us have tried being lashing out. Some of us have tried to preempt what we, we people have treated us like jerks, so now we're going to start out being the jerks. 
Some of us have tried to isolate and become islands where we're like, you know what? I don't need anyone close to me. I'm going to be on an island. You know what happens to people that go and decide to live life on an island? They start going cuckoo. They start talking to volleyballs named Wilson. (laughs) And for those of you who are too young, turn to your neighbor and say, what is he talking about? They'll tell you about a good movie. See, the truth is we need one another. The Bible says this, that if one man is alone in a cold environment, they cannot stay warm. But if they together, a husband and a wife or two individuals can keep themselves warm. The Bible says if one man is struggling and he stumbles, he needs the help of somebody else, amen? And can I tell you, if you're going to reach the destiny that God has given you to reach, you've got to stop allowing the enemy to convince you that you don't need anybody. And you need to start being vulnerable and understanding that God created us to love. God created us for love, to experience relationship, and to experience a destiny filled with individuals helping you get to that destiny. Because if you're going to reach your God-given potential, your destiny and your vision, it's going to take relationships to do it. Because the most valuable thing you have in this earth, aside from your relationship with Jesus, is your relationship with others. And the enemy wants to come against it with everything he has. And so can you see why the Bible says iron sharpens iron as one individual sharpens another? That means your relationships make you better. Your relationships make you sharper. Your relationships make you smarter. Your relationships share experience and you get to what? You get to leverage. You get to learn. You get to expand. You get to get better. Listen to what else the Bible talks about when he talks about friends. It says the righteous choose their friends carefully. Some of us have not chosen careful enough. And can I tell you that the wiser we get, the more we realize we have to be careful in this area. Because if you rush in, sometimes you're bringing hurt upon yourself. And so we have to be careful to pick right. So what's a good friend? A good friend is one who knows how to love. Okay, well, pastor, what do you mean? How do, I, how do I get a good friend? You want to know how to get a good friend? Be a good friend. See, this entire relationship is going to be based on the principle of sowing and reaping. When you sow, when you plant in the ground, when you want to, when you want to reap something, you've got to plant it first. And so if you want a good relationship, if you want someone to love you sacrificially, if you want someone to be kind and courteous, if you want somebody to be considerate, if you want someone to be these things, then that's what you have to give to somebody else. Because if you're not willing to give it, then you're only going to get what you're giving. And if you're giving selfishness, guess what you're getting in return? If someone's here and saying, I don't have any close friends, everybody always mistreats me, I've never been treated right, maybe it's because, come on now, I'm trying to help you. If you let me, I'm trying to help you. If you let me now, some of you are going, I don't want to hear it. Can I tell you in just a minute, I'm going to read you a passage that tells you a good friend tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And some of us are going around picking up friends that tell us exactly what we want to hear. The Bible says that's an enemy. 
An enemy will tell you exactly what you want to hear and not care when you're going off the cliff. Say, keep going. You're doing good. So we need to be careful with this. So what do you mean, pastor, I need to pick a good friend? Yes, you need to be able to pick up on those that are barely tolerating you and they're definitely not celebrating you. See, see, you want a friend that celebrates you. A good friend will celebrate your good experiences. What do I mean by that? I mean, when things are going good for you, they're there cheering you on. They're there celebrating you. They're there making a party. They're there clapping you. They're there saying, man, I'm so happy for you. I'm proud of you. I can't wait to see what else God has in store for you. Why? Because they're not insecure by your success. They're not threatened by your success. They're not made envious by your success because they're not competing against you. You are their friend. You're not their competition. Can I, can I get an amen? Some of us need to find friends that are really willing to celebrate us. And some of us need to be friends that can truly celebrate others. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're not constantly looking and measuring. See, because the minute the scorecard takes, takes, comes out, it's not love. Paul says, love keeps no record of wrong, and some of us are always keeping records of wrong or keeping score. How much did they do for me and how much did I do for them? Because you want to always be in the positive. That's not love. That's operating out of hurt. I don't ever want the tables to turn. I once heard a contractor say, uh, say, you know what, when I deal with my subs, I never want to have them owe me more work. I always want to have more pay held back. Do you see what I'm saying? Why? Because the minute this seesaw goes to the point that, that they've, they got more pay than they've done work, I'm in trouble. How many of you are contractors and know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Matt's nodding his head, Josh's nodding his head, brother Bob's nodding all these guys are, yep, a- am I right? You always want them on the hook for, for more, and then you pay them slowly. Some of us treat our relationships like a contract. All my guys go, man, you set me up for that one. <laughs> we want people on the hook. Can I tell you that's not love? Can I tell you something else, guys? Can I tell you that relationships are hard and you have to choose them closely? See, a good friend, we're, we're going to come back to this, choose closely now. A good friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I used to think what that verse meant is a brother is meant to compete against. That is not true. A brother is there when times get tough and you go through your toughest adversity. That's when your brother comes along and puts his arm under you and says, I got you, bro. That's what we want. We want someone who loves at all times. When times are down, when times are tough, when you're going to your worst, that's when your friends show up. That's when your friends are there. They celebrate you in good times, but they hurt with you when you're going through it. And they care about it. It's not expedient for them. It's not convenient for them. It's not an opportunity to get ahead. It's truly heartfelt. You go, man, pastor, that's what I need then is that the friend you're being? Because this is the thing. If you're the one always needing help, then guess what? That's not a friendship. 
If you're the one, you know, in Spanish, my dad used to tell me, no seas como la sadón. Don't be like the grubbing hoe or the weeding hoe. Why? It only comes one way. This way. If you're the one always needing help and you're the one always going, why aren't you there for me? Why aren't you there for me? Why aren't you there for me? Then you're not a friend, you're a ministry. Come on, I need, to, I, I need an amen. Do you want to be a ministry or do you want to be a friend? See, a real friend is saying, how can I help you? How can I bless you? How can I bless you? How can I bless you? If on occasion you fall down on your luck, then your friend will be there. But if you're always down on your luck, you're not a friend. You're a ministry. And eventually they're going to have to have the tough love conversation with you. And so we need to be careful about this. And we need to be the kind of friends at foundation that represent Jesus in our lives. The kind of friends that bring ourselves to flourish. See, watch this. An another good quality of a friend is an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Another version put it this way. When your friend tells you what you need to hear, sometimes it hurts, but an enemy will be quick to put his arm around you. So you have to be careful. Choose wisely. See, a kindred spirit will be there through thick and thin. They'll celebrate with you. They'll hurt with you. And they'll also share with you truth. And truth sometimes is the hardest thing to receive. Am I right? It stings. But truth leads to what? Freedom. Truth leads to growth. Truth leads to blessing. And so a good friend will be there to tell you what needs to be said in that time of need. And the, tr and, and the truth is, when you have a friend like that, you have something really special. You know, if you have friends like this, if you have one or two or three in your lifetime, you are a blessed individual. Most people never have that many close, what we call kindred spirits. But if you want to get to your full potential, you're going to need to have a friend or two this way because David could never have been who David was called to be without Jonathan first. And that's what I'm saying. Your most valuable thing in life are your relationships, starting with Jesus and then others. Can I share with you? This is a hard thing for me. The reason it's a hard thing for me because my dad moved around a lot and, uh, you know, I sat there and I stood there one too many times with tears rolling down my face. And I thought to myself, I need to learn how to limit this. And when you grow up as a kid with that kind of hurt and having to let go quickly and start anew, you get good at it. See, back then there wasn't Facebook, Matt. There wasn't cell phones. There wasn't any of these things that the kids have today to keep in touch. Back then, that was a liability to have your heart tethered to another community, another friendship, something that was in the past. If it was in the past, you had to learn to cut it off quickly before it sank you and brought you down under. Because the last thing you want to do is go into a brand new school still 
brokenhearted over past relationships. Why? Because it would affect your current ones and you don't want to be the new guy that doesn't come in rocking and rolling. Come on. You don't want to be that new guy that gets labeled the new guy. So when I'd feel that hurt, immediately I had to shake it off. I had to cut loose and I had to enter into the new thing and, hey, how's it going, man? You know, before long, playing ball, doing this, doing that, getting involved with the new crowd, so, or with another crowd and getting new friends. But how does that work as a pastor? Well, it turned out it worked pretty darn good. Because the one thing about churches is they do the shuffle. And some of you were down the street and you'll be here for a little while and then you go to, no, not this church. Y'all don't do that. Others do. Other churches shuffle, but we don't. We're here for the long haul. Amen. Let me just share with you. You want to talk about commitment? Someone put a tattoo on their arm. I was so proud, I guess, because people put tattoos on all sorts of dumb things, but at least this was a great thing. So every time they look at that tattoo, they can say, Confident, convinced, and convicted that God is with me. You know, that's a reminder of faith. Amen? A reminder of faith. You know, talk about commitment. She was asked, well, why'd you do that? something my pastor says. You know what? Blessing. Amen. But this is what I've learned. I've learned that people in church, they, they leave and they, they change churches like no big deal. So this worked out pretty good for me, Brother Wayne, because guess what? I'm good at Adelante, forward, forward, forget what's behind. I press on towards what is ahead. I could even justify it scripturally. You know, that's what a pastor does. He'll look for scriptures to justify his craziness. Paul says, I forget what is behind. I don't even remember you, dude. And so we would be going on. But let me ask you, is this a good thing? Yeah, if you want to live with no friends. If you want to live with no close relationships, let's go, it's just me and you, Lord. It's just me and you. And you wonder why I talk to volleyball sometimes. Because I'm an island. And a, and a good friend of mine started coming to me and he started recognizing this. And he said, hey, pastor, I'm concerned about you because you built something beautiful and the Lord is blessing you and all these things. But I feel like the enemy has found a way in. And it's with the fact that the only relationships I see you have and enjoy are the ones with God and your immediate family, like your wife and your children. And that's called cocooning. And when you don't have any other significant relationships, no, I have other relationships. I have some people in my church. No, you cannot truly have that kind of close relationship with everybody in your church because you're constantly having to feed them, having to teach them, having to lead them. How about no responsibility, just someone who cares for you? Oh, I don't need that. You're gonna have to trust, Pastor. You're going to have to trust. No, in order to trust, I got to let, I got to let my guard down and let you in and say, I care. And, and if I do that, then it's harder to, or on this side, because I'm going to the cross. You don't want to walk towards the cross, go walk with the, towards the cross with somebody else, but I'm, I'm done. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here? And God is saying, what are you doing? That's not what I called you to. 
Let me in. Let me teach you how to forgive. Let me teach you how to care. Let me teach you how to love. Let me teach you how to truly, truly have a tender heart and replace that heart of stone that's been hardening these things that have been piling up and love the way Jesus intended you to love because this life is short. It's short, and it's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect other things. Have good, strong relationships because that's what I have in view for you. And I'm having to do this. Okay, God, I'm willing to. And you get right to the edge, and you're like, no. And so the other day, how many of you know Scott Bryant? I told Scott, I go, uh, hey, man, uh, I guess we're kind of like best friends. And you don't understand how significant that is because for years, Scott has been saying, hey, pastor, man, I think we're like best friends. And I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) He goes, you won't say it, will you? I said, no, man, you're not my best friend. (laughs) I love you, dude, but you know what I've learned? People talk all kinds of good game. Just show me. Because if there's one thing I'll do is just. Because you know how many people have come up and said, hey, pastor, we're like family. And my kids call them uncle or aunt or, or uh, grandpa and grandma. And then they up and bounce. And I got to. And keep walking. Now I tell my kids, don't call nobody grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, except for your real family. Don't do it. I don't care how much they ask you to. I don't care how they act. Because you know what? We're going to be like. And now my kids are getting good at See ya. No, no. The one bit of advice, I went to Shoreline Christian Ministry. I stopped by T.D. Jake's church. I stopped by uh, Ed Young Jr.'s church. I stopped by all of these major ministries around the state before I started this church. And the one thing they told me was this. You've got to get good at letting go because the people who start with you will turn over every three to four, five, six, seven years. You know what that means? The Christians have gotten real good at it. No wonder there's no power. No wonder there's no movement of the Holy Spirit. You know what I feel God telling me through this saying, stop cutting and let me in so I can start mending. Come on, am I the only one? Receive the generosity and the consideration that people give you. This is, this, this is a good friend. Cody Alexander brought me mi tierra. Why? Because a good friend is considerate. A good friend is considerate. I don't have enough to share, so I'm just going to, I won't eat it in front of you. But what do, what do I mean? I mean, a good friend pays attention and and I want us to be good friends to our, to our people out here, to the people out here. Pay attention. Look for ways to, to be considerate. Look for ways to be caring. Look for ways, not always about ourselves, because watch. 
We've been talking about a kindred spirit. We've been talking about loving. See, a good friend doesn't just look to the interest of his, of his own. Listen to what the Bible says about this. Keep going, brother. Keep going. New Testament. It's right there. Philippians 2, 4. Each of you should not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A good friend knows what Jesus meant when he said this, when he said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, do to others, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. See, if you want to choose carefully and you want careful friends and you want great friends, then we've got to be those kind of great friends to others. And when we, when we put those qualities out, we're good at recognizing them in others. And the kind of qualities we'll recognize is someone who's really interested in you, not just using you as an opportunity to get ahead. Some of us think that just because someone is going in the, in the same direction as us, that they're a friend. No, that's an opportunist. They're just going in the same direction and they cozy up to you because guess what? What do you have to offer me to help me get ahead in my journey? And when we mix that up and we start sharing too much, then we realize that they don't safeguard what we share or they take the vision we share and adopt it as their own. And then you find out they're competing against you and comparing themselves with you. And nothing brings friendship down to, to something other than friendship like competition and comparing. Because the minute you start comparing yourself, you get your scorecard out and you start tallying up and then you feel like they're getting over on you and you start envying them and watching and wanting them to stumble because secretly inside your heart, you want them further behind you. That's not good friendship. Can I tell you, others are not going in the same direction as you. They don't want what you want. They're just against what you're against. And because they're against what you're against, then they'll cozy up with you while it's convenient. See, the others are opportunists. These are friends of convenience. That's not real friendship. Real friendship genuinely loves and cares. Now, this is where I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up and I'm going to challenge you to love like Jesus has loved you. Because too many times we judge people really, really harsh. You know, we've said things like this before. You know, the problem with relationships in this world is everybody else. The problem with others is others. You know, the problem is, Pastor, if people would stop being so darn selfish, if they would stop being so darn selfish. See, we're always judging others harsher than we want to be judged. And we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. So in order to really break this down and rearrange it, we need to start giving them the same benefit we want. In other words, 
We want people to be forgiving with us. Let's forgive them. We want people to be understanding with us. Let's be understanding with them. We want individuals to say, well, he didn't mean it. You know, I was just talking or it came out wrong and we want them to give us a pass. We need to give them a pass. We need to be as considerate with them as we want people to be with us. See, that's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want people to be concerned with your dreams, be concerned with their dreams. You want people to celebrate you, you celebrate them. You want people not to compete with you, don't compete with them. You want people to pray for you, pray for them. You want people to love you, love them. You want people to care for you, care for them. You want people to be considerate with you, be considerate with them. And quit worrying about who leaves or doesn't leave. I'm still gonna love you, why? Because I want you to love me the same way. I want great friends in my life, therefore I'm gonna be a great friend. Because if I'm planting great friendship in the ground, then I'm gonna reap great friendship. And can I tell you, I have not done that. And God has been waking me up in the last year or so saying, you need to stop setting unrealistic expectations of other people and you need to start loving them the way I have loved you with all your shortcomings, with all your hangups, with all your problems, with all your pride and you need to roll that pride to your side and start being humble and saying, God has loved me more than I deserve. I'm gonna love you more than you deserve. Come on. And here we go, here we go. This is where we finish. Stop holding your friends to your expectations. Meaning you need to live way up here because this is what I want. No, no, you live way up there and let God deal with them. Some people are like, well, you didn't call me and you didn't this and you didn't answer my call and you didn't. Come on now, how many of you know you can't force someone to love you? What's the first thing a friend's gonna do if you start putting all that weight on them? So you wanna be careful. So this is where we finish. Foundation, is there anyone here who stands with me saying, Father, I need some healing in this area. Father, you see the hands raised and we open up our hearts to you. Say, Lord, come and heal. Mend those wounds, Lord. Some of our wounds are deep. We've encountered real abuse and real hurt. But Lord, I pray that you would heal and set us free, Lord to really experience joy and peace that you created us to experience and most of all, your love. A love that is marked by freedom. Free to truly love as we have been loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great week. Foundation, I love you.